What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Applicable Dad Parenting and Beyond, the show that focuses on navigating the life of parenting, mentoring, coaching, and the like. My name is John. This is my esteemed colleague and good friend, Cody. Hello. Today, we're trying to focus and continue the focus on being relevant and appropriate to be applicable. We want to help empower, encourage, and inspire. And so today's episode is about asking for help proactively. Just ask, whether that's mental, physical, emotional, whatever it might be. We want to remove the stigma of asking for help and open that up. And we're going to have a great dialogue here. But before we get into that, we want to get into our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Glacier Chocolate in Tulsa. Glacier Mm. Confection and Chocolate in Tulsa. They have three locations here in Tulsa in Utica Square. They have a second and new location at the shops at Seville right off of Yale. And then they also have a location at Tulsa Arts. And I actually picked some of this up. If you have not been to Glacier Chocolate, Cody, you're in for a treat, my friend. I like treats. You ready for this? I don't know. I think you might be. Let's do let's do a candid shot on Cody for uh, the presentation. You ready for this? Oh, Boom. man. Go ahead and snag you those one of those. Those look delicious. Yeah, go let me, ahead. Let me take care of this one right here. Yeah, don't be scared of that one. All right. Yeah, packaged well. That's a that's a good look. Nice colors. Should I eat it? Yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> Try and stop you, right? Uh-huh. Okay, I can hear you chewing in that mic. We're going to oh, move on from there. Move back here a little bit. <laughs> That's delicious. Yeah. yeah. What flavor did you get? Delicious. Okay. Hey, those are my favorites as well. Uh, so that's Glacier Chocolate and Confection. They again have the three locations and they are doing well. Owned by Katie Mabry and one of her partners. And uh, they have their focus and real goal is inspiring happiness. You know, that's their thing. And how how easy is it to be happy if you got chocolate in front of you? I'm pretty uh, pretty happy right now. He's a happy guy. So again, Glacier Chocolate in Utica Square, Glacier Chocolate and Coffee at the shops in Seville, Glacier Dessert Bar, which is a full dessert and full bar in the Tulsa Arts District, GlacierChocolate.com. We'll go ahead and throw all that information up there on the uh, YouTube page, but go give them a go give them a shout. There's tons of stuff in there, lots of good stuff for the kids, uh, but just great owners and great food so moving on again thanks again for joining us here this is thank you episode three we have had some really really great feedback from the first two episodes we've had a lot of people reach out to us we've had a lot of people ask about what um, even some of our our clothing is about what the brand is about and we're here for it we've getting some good stuff aren't we i have a good story on the guys at walmart uh, self-checkout and uh, the gentleman working the self-checkout area asked me about my shirt, so I told him a little bit about what we were doing, what we were aspiring to do for others around us, and he uh, he went to the YouTube channel and subscribed right there. He said he's going to give us a listen. Let's go. That's great stuff. Thank you so much. That's being intentional, Cody. It is. Yeah, look at you, wearing the brand proudly. But that's the thing. We want to continue reaching out to everybody and get more and more of our circle involved, get outside of our circle, and just spread a positive message. So... Again, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, this episode, we're going to go a little bit deeper than we have in the previous episodes. This is a this is a heady topic. There's a lot of meat to this topic, and it's about asking for help proactively. 
we want to remove the stigma, like we said. When you're struggling, when you're having issues in life as a parent, as a coach, as a mentor, as a significant other, as a child, we want to have an opportunity where we talk about what and how we can do and help in those areas to where we can improve our own mental statuses as well as the just the here and the now being present. Mm-hmm. So we are just really kind of who, who, who struggles. And the struggles that we've decided to talk about were mom's struggle, dad's struggle, coach's struggle, mentor's struggle, spouse's struggle. And we all have those moments where we struggle in silence. And we're telling ourselves that it will pass. But what? Everything's going to be fine, right? Eventually, everything's going to be fine. But what if it's not fine? What if relief never comes? And we want to discuss this subject and hopefully equip others to lean on our circles proactively and to go back to what we've talked about the last couple of episodes and be intentional and proactive in reaching out for help. You like that? I love it. Yeah? Okay. Was there anyone else that you could think of that might be struggling on? Children. Children. Yeah. We're going to touch on uh, how we can convince them to ask for help and their time of needs. That's great. Absolutely. I think they often get overlooked. So that's fantastic. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So we'll just jump right into topic one. And topic number one was based around what type of struggles are present in today's world, you know, with the mothers, with the fathers, with the professionals at work, with coaches on the field, you know, as mentors trying to develop our youth or a friend or somebody that you work with. So what, what, what type of struggles are, struggles are present in today's world? Um, well, the struggle that I think we're focusing on mainly is asking for help. Right. And um, how we as men, uh, fathers, struggle to do that in today's world just yep. because of basically how we have been conditioned yeah. Uh, growing up, you know, you hear you hear things growing up as a boy, um, you know, don't cry, mm-hmm. don't be a girl, handle these things on your own. Uh, so as we as we grow up and we hear all these things, we we internalize everything. And when we're presented with struggles or problems, we tend to try to deal with those ourselves instead of reaching out to our loved ones around us to to get seek help. You know, wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that conditioning, I think, is something that we need to address as a society more on a regular basis. Right, right. Because we, you know, we were 80s babies, and I remember my dad pushing me to not cry and to brush it off, rub some dirt on it. And, and it was almost to me as if it was just a, a little, little bit of a backhand, not physical backhand, but you know, proverbial backhand of you can't cry. You can't be emotional. You can't be vulnerable. Uh, I think there's, there's a little bit of substance to that. Yeah. As men to be strong, to be, to be the leaders, to be the one that people look to when things get tough and see them hold it together. You know, so there is substance to that, but we're going to try and find that line the gray area in between where we probably need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's obviously our, our niche, if you will, because we are dads, we are men, we are raising, raising boys as well as girls. So there's, there's different, 
different struggles that you run in with both genders, obviously. But so that's really our our specialty area, if you will. And we're not we're not specialists, but that's where we know the most. I would say you're special. You, gosh, to stop me. it, stop it. But go on. So also mothers, I mean mothers struggle, and if we talked about just the beauty of childbirth and the respect that we both have for our significant others and our wives and that process that goes with that well there's a lot of hormones that are circulating through their body and postpartum things things like that so there's a there's a big area for struggles things with women I, I will never comprehend and understand <laughs> you know i mean we'll, we'll talk about it yeah. talk to them with it with them about it and try to understand but yeah. physically and as as oneself, we will never understand as men. No way. Talking about crying, I think I would be crying if I had to go through that process. <laughs> I, I would be okay with it, too. My wife was a rock star in all three of them, and I could not be more proud of how she handled that process. That's amazing. It is a beautiful thing. If you don't believe in God after watching that, man, let's have a conversation. That's mm-hmm. for, for sure. So, father struggle. You know, fathers also deal with that from a significant other perspective how do you walk your wife through postpartum issues Mm -hmm. or anxiety issues or stress issues that come with a new kid or current parenting yeah that's it's a it's a process yeah it takes understanding uh, lots of conversations communication and um, understanding you know yeah love love is the main ingredient yeah okay if you love your person you love your spouse uh, your children, then all these steps to to be a better person, better dad, better listener are key, you know. Definitely, definitely. So there's also other areas of struggle as professionals. If you are the primary breadwinner, husband or wife, because I've seen both sides of it, there are stresses and struggles in that realm. So how do you how do you navigate that if professionally you are struggling if you're fully devoted to your job but you still have responsibilities at home you know there can be some struggles present in a situation like that pretty easily or if you have financial struggles uh, that's probably uh, a large portion of home struggles is financial status and and goals and uh, how you get to those goals and yeah uh, especially in today's you know, society where work's hard to find. Sure. Uh, industries are up in the air as far as what direction they're going. You know, things yeah. are hard to get, hard to come by, ex- expensive. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So I think even the last one that we want to touch on were, and we'll, we'll be jumping back and forth a little bit on this just as our experience continues to present itself. But the last one would be coaches and mentors. There's struggles with that. How is a coach... And, and I've coached and Cody's coach. We mentioned that in the first episode, but how do you connect with kids that are closed off to that? If they don't listen or respect, if there's a blockade with their parent, if they're helicopter parents and they don't allow you to handle that role primarily. Yeah. That's a difficult situation for a coach too. Cause if, if, if all that, you know, is, is a problem, mm-hmm. And then you also have to deal with pleasing people and making sure those kids are getting adequate time and what they're putting into. 
Uh, and then that stems to pleasing the parents as well. Right. We all know that doesn't go well sometimes. I've heard a lot of stories where coaches get confronted um, many times. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of these coaches are just, you know, dads or people volunteering their time. And the stress of that, mm-hmm. people coming down on them, which I understand there's places for it and there may be some favoritism in some areas, but sure. again, that's a difficult thing to do to coach a team of people you don't know and try to please everybody. Right. Cause even going back to what we talked about in one of the earlier episodes, it's, you have to coach on their level. You have to bond with them on their level. And if they're closed off to that, how do you coach them into the mechanics of a sport that you're leading them on? Or if, you know, their parents are continuously chirping in the background and only listen, the kids only listening to them. I mean, that's a difficult task Mm -hmm. and, and we're not being paid to coach, right? We we're doing it out of love and support and the heart for it and the passion for developing these kids. And so it makes it difficult. So we definitely wanted to touch on that too. So we are, let's jump into the second question on topic number one. And that is, why do you think in all of those categories, people are afraid to ask for help. Uh, a lot of it, I have, as far as men go, anyways, is um, you know fear of being a burden, or men don't want to be judged. You know, asking for help is a sign of you know helplessness. You know, unable to help yourself, which is, equates to maybe feeling weak. Yeah. Um, and like I said before, the conditioning we were brought up in is to be the strong uh, look up to leader type role. Yeah. And asking for help may, you know, counteract that in, in some minds. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So society's norm in bringing up is a, is a blockade for us to be open to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. I think some of the others, just from my perspective and experience and even research, is people want to feel independent. And if they feel like they have to ask for help, that goes against their own independence. And they feel that morphs into, I don't want to be a a burden Mm -hmm. to you, so I'll just figure it out. I'm okay. Everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Just with time, things will pass, right? Yeah. I do that. You do it, John? I definitely do that. Yeah. So, so when something is presented to me, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to relish in it myself for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, which over time and since I've been married, I've been open to confiding in my wife and getting her opinion. And she, she is amazing in that aspect of being inviting really comforting on that level to have me be more vulnerable and things like that. Okay. Okay. So what, what else with that point? Uh, well, this is going off, uh, the inspiring men project.com. I just pulled a little information off okay. uh, their websites. So studies show asking for helps make you happier, more successful and have better relationships. And as men, and I didn't even realize this, but there was a study done in the UK where, they said women get skin cancer more often than men, but men die from it on a higher rate. Why do you think that is? Because they don't report it. They don't. Men don't seek out help. Wow. Uh, they wait 
and they try to deal with it themselves. Okay. Uh, they try to make it like this will pass or I can deal with it. You know, mm -hmm. the, the same stigma we've been saying. And so they suppress the signs, don't catch it in time yeah. where, you know, women are more proactive on thinking about their bodies and what's going on and uh, seeking help professionally on that. Um, wow. I'd also said that 80% of suicides, and this is, this is a UK uh, statistic, 80% uh, of suicides caused by men battling their own problems, extending from loneliness, uh, less likely to stay in touch with old friends, losing important peer support networks. Uh, men are afraid of asking for deeper friendships and support because of the fear of being judged. Really? Mm. I see our relationship and just how deep our relationship has gotten. And that comes from an open line of communication. And I don't know if I ever felt judged, but it was based on trust and true openness and true genuine nature of that. That's how we were able to develop. But that it, was developed over time. I mean, right. at the beginning, yeah. we weren't totally telling all our secrets, all our troubles, all our hardships. Um, I didn't like you. <laughs> but, you know, over time, uh, you and I built a relationship, became more comfortable, and we right. can confide in with each other in anything at this yeah. point, I believe. Yeah. So it, it comes back to the openness to seek that counsel from a friend, whether it's a an acquaintance that you want to develop more from, or it's a good friend that you just really haven't been fully open with about some of the struggles you're dealing with. Right. There's a time point in time where you take a leap and you know, we've covered it before, but building the networks and circles around you yeah. of support that you can confide in that you trust, um, is very important. Sure. Okay. That's great. That's great information. Cody's turning into like this, uh, statistician. He's this, he's a stat man. He was, dropping knowledge on on our mentoring and coaching last episode so now look at him coming equipped and prepared love it <laughs> i love it see i was open with him you know now our relationship's even deeper because of it i love it <laughs> so we going back to even mothers and wives that's a big that's a struggle as a postpartum issues and mental health issues that can easily come about after the child has delivered, whether it's your first, second, third, or so on. I don't know why you, you do more than three, but um, some people do. And with, with mothers, there's a big struggle with going back to the hormones we talked about when we were initially experienced or discussing the topic, number one. And that's not something that men really can ever understand, but we still feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, we're not experts on this postpartum side of it, but we have done research. And some of the research that we've come across is that 70 to 80 percent of women experience at least on a minimum level the baby blues. And there's a lot has changed within their body and there's a baby blues that comes with it. Right. But even outside of that, you know, there's 10 to 20 percent of of those women develop clinical depression, postpartum depression. But going back to even what you had mentioned, these are people that have reported it. Mm -hmm. So even on a larger scale, you know, statistically it's like one in seven, you know, women are going to deal with some sort of, of postpartum, but that's, that's women are strong too. Women are way stronger than we are. But as men, when we don't report things because everything's going to be fine, you know, women are doing that too. 
Yeah, to and, an extent, yeah. Yeah, and so if they're not reporting that they're struggling with the postpartum side, if they're not reaching out or being open in communication with their spouse or friends group or network, family, so on, if they have a mentor, then that struggle just continues to perpetuate. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a that's a big problem, I think, you know. And and I think it's also because they want to be they are strong. They are they are amazing, you know, creatures, but they want to just handle it on their own. They're okay. Everything's going to be okay eventually. I just have to grind through it. I have to get through it. Did you ever experience anything on the the postpartum side? Not that I can think of. I mean, you know, Tamara had her struggles, but she she just appeared really strong. Yeah. Um, which I praise her for that. And you know, like like we've said before, I couldn't even imagine yeah. what she goes through. And the I mean, the best thing I could do was just be there. Yeah. You know, if she needed something, um, be there. If she had muscle aches, problem, you know, mm-hmm. get these hands ready, and do some massaging. You know. that's awesome (laughs) hugs kisses i mean all that is is a key factor in helping them out with postpartum depression and yeah just uh just being back to their their original self yeah taking loads off of them whether that's housework laundry you know bringing them different stuff as they're Mm -hmm. going through that helping them with the baby but also using those hands (laughs) yeah yeah is that what I'm taking from this? Yeah. Okay. And throw these hands on throw, you. <laughs> these hands. Positively. Yeah. Uh, uh, catch these hands means something different in today's world. That, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Cody is not telling his wife to catch these hands. No. Noted. These are loving hands. <laughs> uh, so, but even even outside of that, so if statistically the most of the postpartum starts within the first, but that's not to say the second, third, and so on they don't struggle with some type of postpartum in in that area either because statistically if they've experienced it previously then they're actually 10 to 50 percent more likely to experience it again okay and like a um repeat of that so you think about that man that would be tough if you did it one two three times in a row four or five yeah six there's people that would be so difficult and so that's what our calling to you men out here, because we, that's our, our specialty area, again, is understand that. Educate yourself on what it truly means to be postpartum. Don't be offended by, you know, the neglect or the shortness, the irritability, any of those feelings, because it's only temporary. It's not long you lasting. Have no idea. <laughs> And you're what she's going through. Yeah. So that's the thing. You, you, we, we know our own perspective. Our perspective is our reality, right? And it's hard for men to jump into that perspective of a, a woman who gave birth, delivered an amazing child, and now they're dealing with the struggles of anxiety, stress, mental struggles. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's hard to put yourself in that perspective. But our call to you is truly do it. Mm-hmm. Figure it out and be the best that you can be in those areas. But that's not to say that men can't have their own struggles, Mm -hmm. right? So we came across some more stats that are pretty alarming. Approximately 10% of new fathers experience symptoms of depression during the postpartum period. So while that number is far less than, than women, it's still an issue. 
even if you're kind of feeling that side of it, you may not know that it's postpartum. Right. It could come at you in a lot of different ways. But one other stat that I want to throw in before we really jump into the male side of the postpartum is 50% of partners with postpartum depression develop it themselves. So think about that. If one in seven women are doing it, and then 50% of those women that are actually clinically diagnosed with postpartum, their male counterpart is dealing with that side of it too. So let me ask you this. One out of two, huh? Yeah. So did you, did you experience any of that? I can't, I can't say that I did. I mean, uh, I can't recall the early years. Emma's 16, 16, going on 17 now. So, I mean, that was a long time ago and, uh, different, different area of life for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, recently with Mila, who's, who's turned three on Friday. Yeah. Um, I just, I was just kind of on cloud nine with her. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was happy. I can't, I can't say that I did. Okay. That's okay. I don't know if I really experienced it with any of my kids. I experienced some of, some of the symptoms of postpartum, but I don't know if I was ever really like, I don't want to get out of bed. Uh, I feel depressed. You know, I, I don't think I ever experienced that. And I feel blessed because of that, because I, I do know, mm -hmm. and we know men in our circle that struggled with it. And later on come to find out, Oh, you acted this way because of this. Well, you should have said something and they didn't not to say that they didn't make it through that process in that time of their life. But how much easier would it have been if they just leaned on the people closest to them. Right. Pretty, pretty easy. I'm sure. I mean, not, not easy, but, and so the postpartum and depression in men, like I said, as many as 10% of the new dads suffer it. Normal rate of depression in men nationwide is like three to 5% from what we uncovered. And then postpartum dads, some of the issues with that, they're less likely to engage with their children feeling of not being able to bond with them. And that's hard from a new new baby perspective anyways. I, I, I experienced that. It's like you're just screaming at me or you're sleeping. So it's hard to bond on that side of it. They weren't in our belly for, you know, nine, almost 10 months. So bonding with them is kind of natural. So don't read into that side of it too much. But men usually in those realms start becoming like more aggressive and irritable. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that can also correlate with the sleeplessness, the exhaustion, if they're back to work, if they didn't get a uh, paternal leave, it can increase some of that as well. So these are just some of the symptoms that we've, we've gone through. You know, I was a little irritable. I, 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 I had some symptoms of postpartum, but I don't know if I would have been clinically diagnosed if I actually sought help on it. But Babies are hard. New kids are hard. If you're a first time, if you're a second time, third time, and so on, like babies are still going to be hard no matter how seasoned you are. A couple other things I want to touch on before we move on to topic two because we've been we've been jumping all over this place, but well, so many of so many uh, great points here. Based on you know talking about our spouse and postpartum depression, I just wanted to touch on um, kind of how to communicate yeah. with your spouse uh, to to bring to the surface, some problems that you may be having or keeping inside. Yeah. And I went on uh, psychcentral.com is basically where I'm getting this information, but they had really good points. And it, it talks about, uh, you know, partners aren't mind readers and how to communicate. Yeah. 
and there's there's a few uh, topics they go over and the first one is to figure out your needs in the first place and and spell them out to your spouse so uh, the clearer we can be and the more likely it is that we will get what we need and the example is you know if you're feeling down or something you just you come out and you text your husband your wife you know I need you to hug me when I'm crying or something simple like can you pick up the kids from school instead of saying I don't want the, to be a burden on them and ask them to do that so I'm going to yeah. figure out how to shift around my schedule to to make this happen even though right. it's going to be more stress on myself. Yeah. Uh, number 2 was to focus on the message, you know, what's the message I'm trying to say? Uh what do you want your partner to hear? Simple things like I miss you or you know it really hurts when you ignore me and speak uh, be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, if you're feeling this inside, uh, like they said, uh, partners aren't mind readers. Right. So you need to express these feelings uh, in a way that you're not tearing your partner down as well. So on that point, you need to use uh, soft startups. They say it's the foundation to a productive conversation. And one example was go to your partner and say, honey, I'm concerned about our financial situation. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big hot topic in, in yep. Mary's. Mm-hmm. I'm worried we are spending more than we can earn and concerned about our future. I want to talk with you so we can come up with a solution together that will work for both of us. I want to listen and understand your concerns as well. So, yeah. you know, you're not you're not telling them they're not making enough. We got to make more money. You're spending money on, you know, stupid things. Yeah. It's it's a uh, a soft startup. Yeah. to engage the conversation, to further talk about things that you may be concerned about. Yeah. Pay attention to your nonverbal cues. And this was, this is huge for me because I had been uh, told this several times, you know, by my daughter and my spouse so that your partner doesn't feel threatened. So, you know, things to watch is your tone of voice, mm-hmm. uh, facial expressions during conversations, uh, remain close in proximity mm-hmm. when you're having conversations about future goals. Yeah. Um, um, maintain eye contact and be genuine. Yeah. And this reminds me of just a situation my wife and, and I had where we had a conversation and something I said made her feel bad. And when she confronted me about this, and great for her, she, she came to me use soft tones, yeah. made eye contact, had a conversation with me, but I didn't take it that well. You know, I took it as she said, what I said made her feel bad. And I said, no, you know, this is, this is what I meant. And this is what I said. And this is how you should have taken it. Mm. That led to a little back and forth banter, uh, argument yeah. situation. And as we further talked about it, I realized that even though, I didn't mean it that way. It still made her feel that way. Right. And I shouldn't take away from the feelings that she felt because of that. Right. So to understand and realize that sometimes our tones, our verbal, our nonverbal cues reflect a different message than what we may be saying. Mm-hmm. We need to understand that, you know, what they feel because of that isn't irrelevant. Right. And basically what we got out of the conversation was to to realize how we speak to each other and that uh, my meanings and her feelings can coincide, but we have to be open and talk about it if we feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's the open communication. Definitely. So phrasing, what I take from that is the way you phrase an issue 
or a concern that could eventually become problematic is very important. Yeah. And at the same time, we need to be cognizant of how it may be interpreted, how we're obviously trying to extend that message, but also how it may be interpreted and be open to if it is misinterpreted. Because if Mm -hmm. it's misinterpreted, especially with somebody that you care about, why would you not be open to understanding their side of it? Right. That's a great, that's a good story. And it's a great example. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, You haven't, you haven't shared that with me. So I'm glad that that was something that added to this. Did you have anything? Uh, Yeah, it goes on. There's a few more points. Um, uh, One of the harder points is to set clear boundaries with consequences. Yeah. So it goes into say how they made an arrangement that if the wife was working late, that the, the dad would have dinner ready when she got home and have the kids put in bed. Yeah. And what it says to clear boundaries with consequences, mm-hmm. it goes on to say, well, if you're not going to stand by this agreement we have, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make plans for my dinner on my way home mm-hmm. kind of, you know, separates them yeah, in a yeah. way. And you don't want to do that, but sometimes you have to put your foot down, right? Sure. Accountability. And, yeah. And the next point is to have regular check-ins, uh, share what's going on or what's going well and what you're struggling with, uh, with your partner and ask for help. Um, you know, examples is I'm having a rough day. I'll need 10 minutes to decompress when I get home or I really need a hug today or I don't have the energy to make dinner. Can we order in? Which I don't think many people have problems asking those questions, but sure. I don't know. Yeah. You know, if, if you do, then you need to be open with your, your spouse to, to make other arrangements or to be open with them when you need something from them. Yeah. Um, and the last point is to, to recognize what is helpful if it's just you know making a cup of coffee for them in the morning, sure, or getting the kids ready for school so they can sleep in a little bit longer, mm-hmm. these things that you you may not do regularly, but it can be a huge help for someone in a short time frame, and it it really is does come off loving right. to them, even though it's so simple. Yeah, I think a lot of what you're saying is. Um, pretty standard communication and being open and giving you tips and and tricks on the communication side of, of life. But we overlook that in simple relationships. And so those are very, very helpful as a professional, as a coach, as a mentor, in just dealing with the communication side of it. And every, every one of those points is extremely valid, but let's Think about adding that to new parents when everything is associated with irritability, stress, exhaustion, the postpartum, either side. And then those communications, which can come across as seemingly just easy to understand, go out the door. It's super difficult it's, at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's so difficult to handle it from there. So that those are really, really good points as far as approaching it, how you phrase it, how you're, you understand your message and your delivery, because a, a, a message is that there's a there's a sender, there's a recipient, right? You can't handle and, and, and you cannot dictate how they receive that message. You can only establish a send. You can only click that send button. And then once it's clicked, it could easily be misinterpreted mm-hmm. and like emails and texts and anything else, it's easy to add inflections and tones and uh, attitudes within that don't exist. Yeah. That don't exist. Well, it's easy to do that too with us just sitting here, right? You know, you're standing in front of somebody and if you already have something that you're thinking about when I'm telling you this, or you pick on 
want the middle part of the sentence and you don't grab the full intention of the sentence, mm-hmm. it's easy to get upset by that. So that is, but again, in today's world, yeah. you know, texting is, you know, non face to face contact yeah. is <laughs> the line of communication these days. Well, I prefer so, it. you know, my kids have come to me with, you know, conversations they've had with their friends and they're like, Oh, I can't believe they said this. Yeah. I'm like, well, what, what do you think they meant by it? I mean, right. If, are you, what, what, how are you reading it? Exactly. And they'll read it their way. And we're like, well, maybe it's read like this. Does it sound so bad now? Yeah. Um, You're being objective. Right. That's great. That's something you can learn off of. Be intentional and be objective. And I can't remember who it is. I don't know if it's Jordan Peterson, but we've been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. He's great. If you're, if you're not familiar with him, check him out. And, um, he says, so instead of, I think it's him again, and we might have to do some corrections on the, the YouTube, but in, instead of, uh, judging, once you hear a message, uh, get curious and get asked questions. Yeah. Actually, I think that's Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I think that was off of He's an episode of Ted Lasso. Role but it, dude, oh, it, it resonates because instead of, instead of judging immediately on the message that you received, get curious and ask questions. Because if, if you immediately choose judgment and you ask that additional question instead, you might realize that that message had a different intent than you received it. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Be intentional. I think I'm going to change that a little bit on uh, our messages every every week. Instead of just being intentional, be intentional and be objective. Yeah. Ask questions. We brought it up before. Yeah, yeah. So going back to an overall, I know we've really touched on just mothers and fathers but again, a lot of this, the communication side, all the great points that Cody brought up can be applied and applicable to professionals, coaches, and mentors. And it's just at, at this point, as we continue to try to remove the stigma of why are we, well, let's just ask, let's seek support proactively. It's, it's important to understand the things that are going on in your body, in your environment, things surrounding you, and all of those different roles, mother, father, professional, coach, mentor, anything. And what are the additional circumstances that are surrounding those feelings? Because if you can't understand yourself and, and, and prepare that self-actualization of this is here, this is what's going on. These are potential influences. These are potential factors. How can I get to a point where I can find a solution or seek support if I don't understand myself? And that's not to say stay within your own abilities. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying understand what's going on in your world, in your surroundings, in your environment, in your body. Uh, Is your diet bad? Are your thoughts negative perpetually? You know, things like that. Because the postpartum side of it, plus with everything that Cody's bringing up, can be influenced by all of the things that you do around yourself and the things that you say to yourself. And so if you're feeling frustrated or irritable, why? If you're feeling tired and exhausted, why? Probably the baby, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't have kids, if kids are toddlers, if they're older, why are you feeling exhausted and tired? So really do a self-evaluation. You know, why are you crying so much? Um, Why do you feel vulnerable? Um, What is on your mind? And until you do that, that, that check, what is it? The 26 point inspection that they do on cars, hundred point inspections. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Inspections. They're not inspections. No, they're a lot. There are yeah. a lot. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know cars very different well. Different bullet points from different places. I yeah, guess. but do your do your systems check and find out why you're feeling that way. What's influencing it? What can potentially lead you to that point? Then 
you assess yourself, then you open yourself up to move on to our topic two, which is how can we help ourselves and one another? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have a blueprint of some sort and points that can help us get there, then we're still on our island. We're still saying things are going to be okay. Eventually it'll pass. I'm fine. Uh, be open. Yeah. Be open with, uh, find your circles. Yeah. Find those friends, your spouse, your spouse should be number one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I and, and confide in them. Yeah. Confide in them. I think you and I, we have a pretty great home life and relationship status with our wives, and, but that's not always the case. So we want to be blessed in that and we want to understand and, and address that and say, thank you, Lord, for this type of blessing. But some people might not have that. Mm -hmm. And and especially if there is the postpartum side of it playing a factor into it, if there are financial issues, you know, because a lot of those stats that we even provided in topic one are significantly impacted based on poverty social status and background, there's a lot of additional variables to that. And so we're well off, we're fine, we're good, we're blessed, you know, but we also have a good relationship, open dialogue with our wives. That doesn't mean that we don't get into it, but it's how you present it. Mm -hmm. It's it's understanding their perspective. It's how you receive it. And how you receive it. And, and for men too. <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on this. We want to fix everything, right? Right. And we can't, <laughs> we cannot. So don't definitely don't expect to fix everything, you know, because uh, things will go wrong and you will not be able to, to fix it. Just accept that fact, man. Yeah. Um, but just ask for help, just ask for help. So that's really what we want to do is okay. The environment that we want to promote here at applicable dad is an environment where we're open. We're discussing it. We're having the hard conversations, but we're promoting a community of additional people that are available. We've got our website up, applicabledad.com. You want to go listen? You want to send us a message? It'll go directly to us. Do you need somebody to provide some guidance on a situation, provide advice on a situation? How would we handle something? Get perspective from us, prayers. We'll do all of that for you. Mm -hmm. But anybody that's a part of Applicable Dad, we kind of have that expectation throughout that community. Yeah. Right? So... Going to topic two again, how can we help ourselves and one another? So you touched on a lot of ways to present that. You know, do you have anything else on how to help uh, a wife, a struggling father, a struggling professional, mentor, coach, anything like that? Um, I mean, really, just the the communication barrier is, yeah. is key, is, is to be more open with those that you find uh, close to you so that you can have some back and forth conversations on where to go with those certain situations. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell for me. Okay. Okay. I think for me and outside of the standard, you know, it on, on postpartum and anything like that, like there's some standard stuff that you go through, right? Whether that's medication, Society needs to remove the stigma behind medication. Antidepressants, anti-anxieties, very, very normal in a lot of ways. And if you're taking those and you feel like you're abnormal because you are, you're not. You're not. They are, most people around you are most likely taking some form of them, um, some dose of them that are helping them to regulate something going on in their body medically. So want to remove that stigma for real. Uh, outside of that, we want to remove the stigma behind therapy. 
there is nothing wrong with therapy or counseling, whether that's marriage counseling, whether that's individual life counseling, uh, depression counseling, parenting counseling, anything along those lines, let's throw that stigma out the window because there's nothing wrong with it. And a lot of people are better off because they go to counseling. So have you ever done any type of counseling? I have. Okay. Yeah. What type? I mean, it's a, a relationship counseling okay. at, at certain points, but um, it's just a line of communication. It's a, it's a forum to be open Yeah. and, and, you know, be vulnerable and, and get out the things that you would normally hold in internally. Um, for some reason, therapy is, as a way to, to get people to open up yeah, and you can do that in your normal home life. If, if you do have an open line of communication with your kids, your wife, therapy isn't really necessary, you yeah. know, at certain points, but if there's ever a point in time where you do feel closed up, uh, you're not being open, then, then yeah, you, you need to have someone to, to mediate that in a way. Sure. Okay. So that was uh, marriage counseling, right? So I have had marriage counseling and I have had, was it marriage counseling or just, it, it was a relationship, relationship counseling, oh. it, not with, not Correction with my wife number here. Two. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. It was, it was a long time ago. Okay. So I've had individual counseling and okay. I, I took a lot of great pieces of life advice from that. And I tell people that on a regular basis, I tell kids that I mentor that I've had counseling and there's nothing wrong with it. Now it was, it was telecounseling, which was a little interesting because it's kind of hard to connect with somebody that you're not in a room with, you know, that they're, you're seeing their face on the screen. And as in today's world, as you're seeing people on the screen on a regular basis in professional life, like it's hard to connect with those people. Mm -hmm. And so I tell kids that I deal with on a regular basis that there's nothing wrong with that. And so having that tele kind of set up to where we are counseling, this accredited doctor is is understanding my situation, things that are going on in my mind, it was a great, it was a great experience. And I took a lot of information from that and been able to apply that. So it was just me. It wasn't my spouse and I, it wasn't for anything really in particular. It was trying to help myself understand things that were going on in my body. I had done my own systems analysis and realized, you know what, maybe I do need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with that or me because I had to do that. I think it's something that was necessary. Now I wasn't, I wasn't provided any type of medication or anything like that. Again, there wouldn't have been anything wrong if I had been. So it's just something to help and understand. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Cody makes these faces at me. So you just made a face at me. You made a face at me. Anyways. So that's the, those are the main areas you get counseling, right? You go to therapy, you, you get medication, but that's what a lot of these doctors and people with PhDs that are far, far smarter than us are really recommending. So if you have that within your healthcare coverage, if you feel inspired to do so, do it. Share with us if you want to about how it went, what little bits of information you took from it that helped you to um, better your situation. Those are the real main types of, of therapy, things like that, that you can go through marriage counseling, life counseling, individual counseling. But we also want to promote, like Cody had addressed earlier, being intentional in how you're doing it, being objective in how you're doing it and being an additional resource outside of that. Say you don't want to say you feel like there still is a stigma. You don't want to be judged if you go to counseling. Well, reach out to your friends. 
Yeah. What's your circle look like? You know, and I know all family situations aren't the best, but if your family's there, reach out to them. Be transparent with them. Sometimes just speaking it out loud to somebody could have some kind of self-realization. Yeah. Um, even though they might not give the right feedback that whoever you're saying it to, you know, maybe, maybe they make certain points and something clicks and you're like, okay, well, yeah, maybe that's, maybe it is what's going on. Yeah. I do need to change this. Yeah, definitely. It starts with yourself again. And I keep touching on this because I think it's so valid and it has helped me in the past. Find out why you're feeling the way that you are. And if you don't understand why you're feeling the way that you are, seek help and guidance. And again, that doesn't have to be a, a doctor. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It can be your close friend. It can be your family. It can be somebody that you haven't been open and transparent with in the past. Somebody, an acquaintance, a coworker. And you would be surprised at the number of people that would be willing and able and open to help you navigate through a struggling period of your life. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got a number of friends that I'd be very open to talk to if they ever presented something. But it goes back to even what we talked about in mentors. There has to be uh, somebody seek you out to be a mentor, and then you have to accept that. There has to be an arrangement, an agreement, not a contract or anything like that, but just something verbal, an understanding, if you will. And there's a lot of growth that can come from being that transparent and vulnerable with somebody, Mm -hmm. man, women, child. Yeah. You know? So... That's kind of the point of our topic, too. Uh, I, I, again, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it starts with yourself. If you're looking for a physical uh, diet focus, you know, we talked about Justice Fit. Start there. How are you going to better yourself day in and day out? Every day is a new day to be a better version of yourself. Sure is. So I don't know who said that, but it, I don't know. I think you just did. I just did. So, but start there, do a systems check, find out where in your life needs additional conversation, additional support, additional help, and be proactive in asking for that help. Mm -hmm. And again, we are here for you. We're doing this for this particular type of outreach. And if you want to jump on our website again, applicabledad.com, send us a message. There's a link at the bottom. You click it and it goes directly to us, no one else. Share your thoughts, feelings, feedback, uh, situations. You need help. You need prayers. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. So that is really the topic one and topic two of today. I know I'm, we sp- I'm, I'm going to touch on one more thing, John. Ooh, is, uh, let's go. I was about to wrap us up. Well, I just keep real going. quick, I want to yeah. touch on you know the fact of fathering and parenting and your children. Your yeah. children need help. Your, your children sure. seek help. Uh, sometimes that barrier can be conditioned over time and walls can be built up. So uh, what are ways we can um, make our children feel comfortable about asking for help is we can accept that everybody needs help sometimes, including yourself and recognize when you're not managing and ask for help. If they see you asking for help, they're watching us. We said this before, we're always being watched by our kids. They're seeing us ask for help. They're going to ask for help when they need it reframe asking for help as a strength and not a weakness. Uh, Facing our fears about asking for help takes courage. And we want to embody that into the minds of our kids. When they do come to us for help, respond positively, um, help them try to give and give them your full attention Mm -hmm. or organize a time when you can talk 
uninterrupted. Uh, Try not to minimize their feelings, thoughts, or situation. Everything is important to them that they're coming to you with. You need to view it as important to yourself as well. Uh, Show you understand that it's hard to ask for help and that you care. So acknowledge that they're asking for help and tell them how proud you are of them for that. Uh, Avoid viewing help seeking as a sign of failure Instead of try, instead try viewing it as a normal part of life and as an important life skill. It's okay to make mistake mistakes. Uh, encourage young people to seek professional help when it's needed. Mm-hmm. Therapy. You know, yeah. Sometimes kids need therapy. Sure. Uh, they can't find the answers or aren't comfortable because walls, barriers are built. Especially in today's world. Going to their mom, dad, friends. Yeah. Professional help is not out of the realm for our kids. Mm-hmm. And share a story with them sometime. Uh, about moments in your life where you needed help. Be open and honest uh, when you need extra support and how you went about asking for it. Yeah. These are just a few points brought up on kidshelpline.com. And I thought they were great as far as, you know, breaking down those walls and barriers that we may have created over time unknowingly by not feeling like these small things our kids brought to us when they were young weren't important, you know. Right. If they came up and said, I don't know. She got her sucker stuck in her hair, which that's important. We would take care of that. Hopefully you would right away. But yeah. or if they dropped it on the ground, be like, oh, no, just don't worry about it. I know. I don't know. Yeah. We just need to, to look at the situations that are important to them. Doesn't seem important to us. And make sure we address them. So appropriately offer validation. Yeah. Is what I take from that, because it is important to them. And as parents, as mentors, as coaches, you have to validate that concern and not brush it off mm-hmm. because you're doing more damage by brushing it off. Yeah. And then if they're, they're going to stop coming to you. God, you read my mind. If they stop coming to you, who do they go to? Trust, respect. Who do they go to? And I guarantee you, it's probably not someone you want. And in today's predatory world, you want to be, and have an open relationship with your kids to allow that type of communication mm-hmm. and address it and validate it. And I appreciate it. I didn't want to cut you off there. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that's an absolutely amazing addition to what we're talking about. Thank you. Are you just touching? Good. High five. He, he was talking about those hands <laughs> earlier. They are, they are, they're nice. Yeah. Yeah. Soft. Okay. So that's pretty much our show for Things the day. Got weird. Topic, <laughs> topic one. What type of struggles are present? We address that. Topic two, how can we help ourselves? Really, even just as an addendum to both of those, we can we can be there for you. So you're not alone. You're not on an island. Applicable Dad is the community for you. Tell whoever you want about it. But we're growing based on the interaction, and we're growing based on the message that we're trying to, to perpetuate. Mm-hmm. But help us. Uh, sponsor follow-up. Glacier chocolate. Yum, yum. Give me some. I'll have another one. Well, yeah. You can have another one? Yeah. All right. Look out. Look at the decoration of some of this stuff. I don't know if the camera can get that, but oh, yeah, just so ornate. Like the, the detail that they put into their chocolates are amazing. Give me that. But even outside of that, you know, they're inspiring happiness through chocolate. And again, Cody, yeah. zoom in on that face right there. Now zoom back out. Mm. Now zoom back in. That's beautiful.
That's beautiful. You could tell he really enjoyed that. They are again located <laughs> Glacier Chocolates, Utica Square, shops at Seville off of Yale. It's 111th in Yale, I believe. Uh, Tulsa Arts and the Tulsa Arts District. And so each of them have different types of, of support, you know, different types of products. Go and check them out. Um, GlacierChocolate.com. Uh, Katie Mabry, again, is the uh, main proprietor of that. Reach out to her, go to their website, check them out, leave them a review. Give them some love because trust me, this stuff is worth it. So, or if you're a professional and you're looking to drop off some really cool custom chocolates, what a better way to try to win some new business with the people that you're dealing with than to drop off something like this. Uh, definitely leaves a lasting impression on them. Glacierchocolate.com. I'll put the website and I'll put the phone number at the bottom of this, but uh, um, go check them out. And really and truly, thank you so much for the sponsorship. It's really amazing. Thank you. We did have a winner last week. Uh, we got we got the shirt and everything set up for Ooh. him. This week, we actually have another winner for a free shirt. But let's go ahead and highlight... Our new oh, swag. Microphone's so away. comfy. You see it? You see it? You don't see it? No? Look at that guy. Oh, man. That's beautiful. I'll Vanna White you here. Applicable Dad has new shirts, so we're giving out some new ones. We still have some old ones, but I think moving forward, we're just going to give out some new ones. So the new winner after liking and sharing our episode two was Evan Glick. Go ahead, man. Round of applause. Evan is uh, about to get married. I did some research on the gentleman. About to get married, and he is a stepdad. So, awesome. Yeah, great, great role model, positive thinking guy, perfect example yeah. of a mentor, perfect example of what Applicable Dad is about and the type of people we're hoping to draw in. Thank you, Evan, for sharing. Thank you, and Evan. liking, and we'll get you that shirt, and so I'll send you a direct message on that one. But again, we'll, we'll kind of beat a, I don't want to say beat a dead horse. I don't like that one, but we'll continue perpetuating the message of make sure you guys like and share, make sure you guys tell your friends about us and let's continue to grow. We've had substantial growth on Facebook. <laughs> Cody, Cody likes something, but we've had substantial growth. beat a dead horse? I don't know. That's why I stopped <laughs> myself, but we've had substantial growth on our Facebook page. We've had some pretty great traction on um, Spotify, which we're now streaming on, um, on Buzz, not Buzzsprout, but Pocket Cast. And then pretty soon we're going to get up and running on Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes Podcasts. So that's, we're on Instagram as well. We are on Instagram. Go over to Instagram. Mm. We have, I think we're close to a thousand now on Facebook. So if we could get those to transfer over to Instagram, it takes a couple clicks. Just find us. We're linked and everything. So it shouldn't be that hard if you're liking and following our page on uh, Facebook. Outside of that, applicabledad.com. Give us a shout. Send us a message. Give us ideas for new topics. All right. And then another point, we've, we've kind of been trying to in, encourage traction and draw traction from TikTok. Applicabledad918 is mine. And then yours is... Cody 1007? I have no idea. I think it's Cody's 1007. <laughs> but we've had some great parenting-based TikToks. Now, TikTok's, this question. TikTok's fun. TikTok's silly. But we've linked our YouTube. Go check it out. But you can see everything that we're doing through all of our link sites. And if you just want to go to applicabledad.com, you'll find every bit of them. But we depend on you. We rely on you. And we hope that we're providing a solid message. So we want to hear from you. Yes. Sound good? You got any parting uh, 
parting words of advice? Uh, what? No, John. <laughs> I told you I was going to do it again. Well, I'm not prepared. Say something profound. Profound? Yeah, I want anything. Uh, don't 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 pull that <laughs> up. <laughs> All right. I like messing with Cody. He's fun. He handles it so well. But thank you again. On the next episode, it's kind of up in the air, but I think we're going to lean on our role during pregnancy. And we talked about that a little bit with Cody's points and using his hands and how he was being present, providing additional support to his spouse and the mother of his future child. So we want to really talk about what is our role even before the child gets here. And I think that's important. And a lot of a lot of times guys don't talk about it. We're just there. We're golfing all the time. She's sleeping all the time. We're doing our own thing. This is great. But what can we do to be more present and to be more applicable in that situation? Sounds great. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We Thank really you. appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. All right. Bye-bye.